to the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? If you're drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes, good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay, pay that man his money. Ask them how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they going to say? No? I don't want to see those returns. Where's the money, Lebowski? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show them a 3% return, and I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know that. That's it. I'm done. Hello and welcome to Extension Jacks. I'm Tom Andrew on the board. SP Futures down 1350. NASDAQ Futures down 50. This is ahead of the Fed decision this afternoon. Everybody expects them to pause yet again. Uh, I think it's probably a foregone conclusion, but then they're going to see what they. We'll have to see what they say. It's all in the wordage. It's all in the. It's all in the BS, as they say. Or they actually don't say. I just sort of said that. Uh, do we have uh, Mr. Kevin? You do. Uh, good morning. How are so you? are you are you the they that you hear so much about the, um, that they you know the ones that say things? Um, I hope you know. I don't know. Are I, you it? Well, you know what? I will. I will say this: that uh, when uh, once in a while I would hear uh, Rick Santelli and a couple of the guys in CNBC say something that we said on the show, and I knew they were listen- They had been listening because. Uh, Sometimes we say something on the show that only people like from the South Side say it, and when they use the same vernacular, I knew it, I know they were listening type of thing. It doesn't make it bad. I just saying it was kind of interesting to hear once in a while. Just just saying. Well, attribution would be a wonderful thing, though. Yeah, it's a uh, once in a while. I was just uh, I uh, a lot of, of all the the people on uh, on CNBC. One of the guys I like listening to is a Stanley Druckenmiller or something. He comes on once in a while, and uh, no, he's pretty. He's been around a long time. He's a monitor. Kind of a monetary theory sort of guy, sort of like us, I think. And uh, and he was uh, yesterday. His big shtick was, or the other day, in an interview, and he was. Uh, and, and it's always interesting, Kevin. Whatever you say, there's always a flip side of something, right? And he was talking about how the, one of the dumbest moves. No, he's worried about the deficit, really. But but out of I, the one that went viral out of his uh, interview was that he uh, um, said that the. The dumbest thing the Treasury ever did, well, not maybe not the dumbest they ever did, but recently, was in when rates got down to like one and a half percent for the ten and thirty year, for them not to really do nothing but pound those th- ten and thirty year out there. Okay, because obviously, um, when you can get that kind of financing at one and a half percent for that length of time, you probably should take it, right? Um, and then they they decided to only go the, whole, the same. Have things be even because they're doing their other stuff. They're doing their twists and all the other crap. So essentially, now they're they're financing a lot of stuff with the six year and three year and one year that's over five percent instead of locking themselves in at one one and a half or one point eight or wherever it got down to. And um, you listen to that and you say, okay, then now what's what's the problem what what's the flip side every, every time i i push down on one piece of the silly putty somewhere else the silly putty pops out right what's the flip side and the answer is um if you and i would have bought it and they would have sold more of that to you and me and banks and my clients which i would never have bought it for and banks you'd have even more of a problem with people owning treasury debt that they paid 100 bucks for it it's now worth 60 so you essentially would have bleeped your your citizenry. <laughs> he, 
there's no there's no e- there's no even game here. Now I guess if you'd have done it to the Chinese, you'd be happy or something. I don't know. I don't, I don't even want to screw those, you know other people, but that there's there, there's no even game, is there? What they're saying is the Treasury, sh- knowing they well, ran it down. The old adage: you can't win, you can't break even, and you can't quit the game. Yeah, I mean, let's see. We're going to run rates down to one and a half percent for some ridiculously stupid reason, but we're going to take advantage of it by. Selling to insurance companies and everybody else that have to buy our stuff by charter, we're going to sell them a bunch of crap that five years later is worth sixty-five cents on the buck. That—that's—that's that's a governmental. <laughs> that's that's what you want your employees doing to you if you're the citizenry. I mean, I mean he's right to a certain point, but is because once you're once it's there, I, I guess you should maybe you should take advantage of it. But if you, if you follow it all the way through, what did you just do to everybody? Well, I mean. The, the question is, could you engineer it that way, and would you do? Would you engineer it that way on purpose? And um, I, I think we know the answer. Well, but if they did, they didn't take advantage of it to the extent they could have. They, meaning the government. If, but they're not, they're not supposed to be in, in an adversarial relationship with the investors that elected them into office. I, I understand. That's I get what you're saying. So it, I, it, <laughs> you know, but let's. Let's also not rule out the possibility that they're just stupid. You know, I mean, there's there's different kinds of stupid and different kinds of smart, and uh, you know, so I, I'm not I'm saying that there are people who understand the technicalities of how to do all this stuff, but that doesn't mean that they're taking an intelligent approach. This is uh, the uh, what was what was the uh, the one show on TV where. They had all kinds of different scenes or different shows, but always behind the scenes there was the one guy they couldn't catch. It wasn't the NCIS. It was, I don't know, some show. Or it was like a four-year process to catch, like, the bad guy. He'd pop up every six, six or eight shows. He might have been Hawaii Five O. It was Hawaii Five O, the new one, or the one that's now gone, but the newer one where they had the... Uh, I'll take your word for it. It was a wolf fat or whatever. It was. had gone back years and years and had stuff with the... Was was uh, he was part of the the group that actually killed the guy's father, McGarrett's father, and he was still around and he was causing trouble. The, he was a guy from the Far East uh, that was part of what's the uh, the Asian underground that's always been talked about in Hawaii. The, uh, the Yakuza. Yeah, and uh, but it was a, but this this thing that keeps and that's on every show about uh, the, the Far East. Okay, go ahead. Um, I got a piece of trivia for you. Fire away. You know what the uh. The reason for Magnum PI was the reason why that that show was actually put on in the first place. Even though I thought it was a pretty good show, and obviously Tom Stolick was everybody loved him. Um, was, so why was it put on in the first place? They had the Hawaii Five O, the original one with uh, how was the guy's name? Jack Lord. Jack Lord was uh, was so popular they actually bought a, like a huge plantation to do this the filming in. And evidently the show went off the air quickly. I don't know if somebody died or what, but I have no idea of the history of that. The show went off the air quickly, and they're like, we got to use all this stuff. And they, they dreamt up another show, and the other show was Magnum P.I., which ended up being, you know, a success. Yeah. But not, not as big a success as the original Hawaii Five O, but still pretty darn good. But they were just trying to do something with their sunk cost. Yeah, they? pretty much. So anyway, I, the, one of the themes that kind of keeps coming back and forth in the show, and everybody has different uh, opinions maybe 
actually, it's it's different opinions, uh, and almost like life stages people are in. I mean, even though my you know my brother, who's a you know brilliant guy, nice guy, he's absolutely convinced. No, no he's not. Nobody likes that. Guy. No, nobody likes him. Nobody likes him. Uh, he's absolutely convinced that there really isn't any. They won't say any, but very little. What I consider to be, if the same kind of stupid crap happens two or three times with the same outcome of some people making a lot of money that used to be other people's, I'm starting to I start to smell a rat and say, wait a minute. This can't happen two, three times and with the same account and people not recognize it or maybe do some of it on purpose or when it starts to happen, don't stop. It's somewhere in there. And, and he's kind of convinced, and so are a lot of other people, that you just have a lot of well-meaning people that come to the wrong conclusions. And if you've ever been on like a board or someplace like that, human beings are perfectly capable of 12, 15, 18 people that are somewhat well-meaning, you think, and are all individually pretty darn smart and maybe honest, coming up with some of the worst conclusions that you ever you ever you ever dreamed of. Uh, classic would be the Bay of Pigs. That's yeah. your uh, that's your groupthink uh, your groupthink case. People kind of just go along, go along, and they get maybe half the facts or the presentations, a little bit of this, a little bit. Of, I mean, it, I mean, whoever said you know a camel was a horse designed by committee is probably pretty accurate, right? Yeah. And uh, you know, I just anywho, I mean, I'm saying the. I'm not so sure this stuff isn't all that. I don't know why Greenspan went down, went down to one percent back in the day. I mean, and then 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 had the nerve to say the market was uh, what was the term he used exuberance, rational exuberance, rational exuberance. But he's the one who caused it. I mean, I I can't believe that these guys are maybe either the connection between. I mean, some of the conclusions you know that were drawn by. Even guys like Milton Friedman, you 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 wonder if if you don't get off the blackboard enough, you don't you don't understand the interaction between economic theory, social theory, and people's own gains or something. Real real life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess. Uh, I mean, I, but somehow there's a lot of the stuff we're seeing happen is very predictable. I, mean, I think yeah, was, what, was the, what was the article we had not too long ago where they, they um, I, I think the, the way they worded it was brilliant, but it was essentially uh, for those who don't experience the uh, economy on paper. But it, you know what was? That was your friend AOC. That was AOC. Yeah. It, yes. And she said everybody everybody's looking at it on paper, uh, not looking also, at people. Also confirming blind squirrel theory. Well, yeah. You know what? I, I, uh, I, would, I would love to... She's one of those people, uh, Kevin. She's very young. She's outspoken. She's full of herself, which is you know, which is half the world, and maybe we were too when we were that age. Uh, and I, I, I don't, I don't really look at her conclusions on things because I don't know if she's mature enough or smart. Eh, I think she's probably smart, but mature enough. I kind of think vapid is the word that I keep coming to. Well, but okay. I, I mean. Just because you don't have a, a solution for world hunger doesn't mean you can't see it. And I think a lot of people both on the left and the right that are some of the extremes, the ones that are honest and decent, they see stuff they don't like what they see. And I think a lot of times the left and the right look at the same stuff and don't like what they see, yet jump to a different conclusion. But the fact that they're at least observing stuff maybe is a start. <laughs> is, is that a nice... Maybe I'm being nice today or what, but... I mean, uh, I mean, she's looking at the at the world 
around her, and she was a bartender, so she knows people. She'd, be, she'd look at the world around her and say, it's not matching what I'm hearing these idiots tell me in Congress. It's really, it's really the message I'm getting from her. Now, maybe that's being too nice. Maybe it's... Uh, now, her conclusions, I don't know that she has enough economic knowledge and other kind of knowledge or world knowledge to come up where we want necessarily to get a conclusion for her, but I don't think her observations, I think, are fairly valid, don't you? Well, on, I, occasionally, Tom, but I, consistently, no, I, I, I don't see it that way. I, uh, I don't agree with really any of her conclusions, but... It, it isn't even the uh, conclusions. I, I think sometimes... Sometimes uh, I'm, I'm listening, and I, and I don't pay much attention to her. I don't either, really. Uh, but uh, you know, I'm, I sit there and start wondering what color the sky is in her world. Um, well, yeah, it's a. I uh, the the part about the taxation of of the uh, the area where I put that. What are you going to do? The uh, something we're going to put in a Long Island city or something? Was it a battery? Was it a battery plant? What the hell was it? It was she, Amazon, wasn't it? Yeah, and she was. I th- I think, and I'm, maybe I'm just putting too much into her brain, but I think she recognizes that giving all these places all this stuff to go there under this uh, void that everybody's going to benefit from it. I think that's a lot of crap coming in a lot of the series, and, and I don't, I'm giving her credit for seeing maybe the same thing that giving somebody all this kind of dough of other people's somehow at the end doesn't help everybody. And I, you know I. I think you got to be real careful with with the giving people money. If you if you had a if you had a tax system that was fair, you'd never even think of doing that, would you? Yeah, that I think that's ultimately the point. Is um, if you if you had a a tax system, whether it's property taxes, whether it's business taxes, or, you know, whatever it is um, that you want to consider, is if you had a system um, that was that created a a climate that would support entrepreneurs and start uh, support startups and, and frankly attract businesses to set up in your area then yeah you wouldn't need to be doing tax breaks um, but in fact we are um, and to some extent I think you know once you're in the uh, in that soup then you have to start considering things on a case-by-case basis because some of the you know some of the deals are pretty good and the problem is with the case-by-case basis is it is often, who is favored, not what is favored. Well, I, I know that the, uh, and I don't know the whole details of it, but I grew up in, uh, well, most of my life, we live in Evergreen Park. Uh, and Evergreen Park is a suburb very very close into Chicago. Matter of fact, it's surrounded by Chicago on three sides. I mean, we lived on 102nd Place and across the street was Chicago, which means we had Chicago streetlights. And two-thirds of the street was paved pretty good Neverland Parkside wasn't <laughs> but but it was a dead-end street which you might say that's not so good actually it was terrific because every night we could play football or baseball out there and there was never a car came by so that was that was great and it was you know you, you had your your field was the street plus everybody had a driveway somebody parked the streets so was actually pretty big so that part was good but uh, Rubloff's first uh, huge uh, development was Evergreen Plaza it was the first of what the you know the big it was before Oak Brook it was full before Old Orchard it was anchored by a Carson's on one end and a Walgreens on the other but they had Rothschilds they had Blurner Brothers they had the, the fair they had all kinds of little shops there had to be 50 shops in the thing long before anybody even dreamed anything like that and the the Evergreen Plaza pretty much covered not covered but the the taxation in Evergreen Park 
and uh, to the point where I'm going to say our taxes were half of what the people's were across the street in Chicago. And Chicago doesn't have that high taxes in, in the south side for like your bungalows and stuff. They still don't. Um, so over over the years, the plaza falls into disrepair. They they end up making it internal. They they put a huge roof over it, so it's one of those internal malls, mm-hmm. enclosed malls, not internal mall. And uh, of course, you started to get people from outside the area that hung around there, and to the point where the people in Evergreen Park would never shop there. They they went to Ford City. They went somewhere else, which is pretty sad. But you, you that's sort of a South Side phenomenon. Uh, you know, even the uh, the Walmart that just closed, or the Sam's Club, it was Walmart, just closed on the south side. Uh, the people in that neighborhood that are all complaining about it sold. Pr- the people that had more money wouldn't wouldn't go to that Walmart. They went to the one down, it's now in Evergreen Park. It's, it's, it's a screwed up phenomenon. I mean, I'm not going to justify it, but I'm just saying that's what it is. Anyway, so the plaza gets distributed, Carson goes out of business, blah, 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 the thing, they finally, they finally pretty much take it down to the ground, and now there's a a few new stores there, and there's something new. And I don't know, Rublev's got to be dead, but across the street, there was a country club. And uh, they end up putting in a Martin, Martinique, a Drury Lane Martinique, where the original one was there. So they end up, they now, they now have a, I think a Myers, a Walmart, a Sam's, I think a Menards. It was a lot of space because it was nine holes of a golf course, for God's sake. And I'm going to say, Kevin, that the deals all those people cut, whatever Green Park, maybe it's accretive. You know, I, don't, I don't know the numbers. All I know now is the taxes in Evergreen Park are a lot more in Chicago. Now, are they paying their fair share? I don't know. Maybe not. I, you know, what's the fair share? I mean, th- didn't the Caterpillar plant in Down or Peoria, one of them, either John Deere, the state taxes that the, that the, that the people there pay go half back to the company and not to the state or some, some the income tax? I mean, what, what are we doing? I mean, I, then the guy from Texas, one, is, he's poaching people here. This whole this whole idea of, you know, I, I guess I'm for states' rights. I don't know how we got off on this topic, but I guess I'm for states' rights. But sometimes you got to have some common sense. I mean, Alaska has oil, right? So everybody in, everybody in Alaska, do they still get a check for the oil? I've been a state. They used to, didn't they? No, well, they used to. Yeah. No, none of those people around when who who paid for friggin' Alaska? People from New York, Chicago, the lower forty-eight states bought the damn place. It's it's every it's as much everybody's oil as it is Alaska's oil, isn't it? In well, I suppose p- you can make that case, um, but okay. It, but I'm saying know, why why? It is what it is now. Well, I'm saying that we, we go down this road to where, I, the, the, you know, they didn't buy the place. Some poor bastard in New York bought the place, right? I mean, how how does that become Alaska's oil? Well, just, who, it depends on who you know who drilled it, who did. The well, I get that part. I'm saying I don't. Know, but I'm saying the the you oil know, I, itself. I, I hear what you're saying, and I suppose that you know that would make a good discussion. It's kind of an academic type of discussion, but um, okay. So uh, keep going then. Well, I mean, same thing with Texas. Okay, Texas. All of a sudden, they got the Bakken. Was it which one they got done? Not the Permian Basin. It's just Texas. Bakken's in uh, up north. And all of a sudden, they get all this oil. What they used to have had oil before. Well, now they're they're going to come up and they're going to they're try and poach companies from, from Illinois on, on, on national TV. I mean, Kevin, what, what are we doing here? This is, I mean, I... On, on the other hand, the states do have the right to make their business climate better or worse. Yes. Um, and uh, so, you know, there, there are consequences to that, whether it's 
because it's not always national re, uh, natural resource based. But we in, we in general, when I say we, uh, people that have been somewhat democratic, I don't think the Romans gave Caesar the right to to, to an income tax. Uh, if somebody walked in and was nice to him, and he said, "Okay, you don't have to pay your income tax; so you can pay less." I, I don't see how you you selectively can do that anywhere, and yet these people are. Yeah, and and by the way, if you if you flip it, um, and you go out west, what percentage of the land is uh, owned by the federal government and managed by the Bureau of Land Management? So that has effectively been nationalized. Uh, well, nobody ever wanted it. Oh, and uh, the the point being that we're we're very inconsistent about how we deal with this. Stuff. By the way, twenty percent of the land in this country, the total land in this country, was given to the five Western railroads. Just saying. Yeah. Well, would they have built railroads if it, if, if it weren't at the time? At uh, no. Well, that's how you. That's how they got the money from it. They essentially gave them the land, but then all of a sudden. The, the, the craziest story, because we got a break, is the, uh, the the land where the Permian is. I think I've told this story before. I, I should research and get the exact details, but this, this is pretty close to the truth. Uh, those guys back in, uh, I'm going to say, I don't know, it had to be the late 1800s, Kevin, maybe early 1900s, there, was, there were guys that, that, that petitioned Congress to, uh, and I don't, I don't know what the connection was on railroads between Congress and states. I guess if it was territories... The federal government could just give the land out without even going through the territorial government. I, I, boy, I wish we had somebody who knew the history of that. But these guys were given, you know, whatever, the the, the right-of-way, which usually was, depending on the deal you cut, a square mile on each side alternating and doing that kind of stuff, all the way from, it was the name of the, the railroad was going to be Fort Worth and Pacific or Fort Worth and Western or something. It was going to go from Dallas all the way to the coast, which I don't think there is a railroad there. The railroad of the Union Pacific is south, and Santa Fe is north. I'm sure there's connecting lines to the Kansas City Southern and stuff, but I don't, I don't think there's a way railroad that goes right from Fort Worth to California with its own tunnels or whatever. I mean, they, they use the Santa Fe or the... Uh, anyway, so these guys start building this thing. I don't know if they made it five miles, Kevin, and they said, screw it. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Stop. Well, the land was still theirs, and, and there was stock in the place, and people had, you know, stock, and this, but all they had left now was the property. But all they got is a bunch of antelopes, and not antelopes, what do you call the little things uh, that were in, in uh, <laughs> the movie with Kevin Costner? Uh, Caddy, uh, where he was the golfer? What did they, they think? Oh, I, uh, golfers. No, they, they, oh, no, no, he was, I, I, I don't ten, know. Tin cup. Where every time he went to the driving range, what are the little guys that look like they had armor on them, armadillos? Anyway, this area, nobody wants it. And all of a sudden, but they couldn't sell it either. So they just had it. I mean, no dividends, no nothing. And all of a sudden, that's where the oil is. So these guys are getting a uh, royalties from the oil and, a, and property that was given to them by the federal government that they never t- they never put the railroad in. <laughs> all right, so, so who, is, who, is, who is at fault here? Uh, <laughs> Everybody, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, clearly, you have the federal government, who, if you were going to grant the land, it should have been for specific use. Right. Well, and, but, but and, and isn't that isn't that really the way to do it? Because look, we, we've done some things that have advantaged companies 
that have been very successful. So if you back up not too many years and and look at the um, uh, oh they were in the uh, the Trump tax uh, uh, enterprise zones, uh, you know th- th- it's very specifically targeted and it's tax breaks for setting up businesses in low income areas that provide jobs for the people who live there, and that's a big bonus for uh, for if, if if you want a a neighborhood to start working its way back, you have to have local employment because you have uh, a lot of residents who uh, who don't have reliable tra- transportation, so they can't get a job. And how many you know many times on this show have we talked about the expense of getting downtown, the expense of parking, tolls, all that kind of stuff? If you're in a walk to work situation, um, that's you know that's really really good for the local economy, for the you know the very the micro economy in this case. And so there, I, I think there are times when it makes all the sense in the world to have some kind of tax advantage uh, uh, built into uh, uh, certain businesses. But I think you've got to deal with it on a case-by-case basis. Well, we have in some areas, I mean, this is, again, we're just, we're just wandering off here a little bit on, on just the things governments can do. But, but the, the bottom line on some of this stuff is, is the right-of-ways were given to these railroads. Okay, so now as railroads have gone out of business, some of your municipalities have just they've they've bought the right of ways or they've or they've used them for other stuff. Kevin, somewhere in the line, without knowing what the future is gonna be, which I don't know and neither do you, if I give somebody a mile long right or mile wide right away, somewhere in there I would hope that I would have the foresight to say, You can sell some of it for you know, for money to, to build whatever it is you're building be it the canal, be it whatever it was. And, uh, but no matter what, you got to keep 150 yards of it. Now, someday it might be a bike trail, someday it might be something else. We don't know what, what, what fiber optics are, we don't know what those kinds of things are, but someplace, somewhere, we're going to keep this right away in case we need a road, in case we need a bike path, in case we need another train, in case you don't, you don't sell the whole thing. How do you ever get that back? Right. So, uh, so when you're doing an initial grant, it, it either talks about, uh, well, it should talk about all of it. If if you have any foresight in setting up a deal like that, um, are you going to talk about uh, the the terms of, um, you know, of use that, uh, you know, that that if you're if you're buying it for a specific purpose, um, then uh, you use it for that purpose, or or you have to sell it back at the purchase price. Or some some reasonable investment return, um, you could do that. You could just as easily say um, if you, you can sell it to anyone you want, but the government has the right to match any offer. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of ways that you could set up a contract like that that make a whole lot of sense. But we didn't. We just sort of gave them the land and said, "Here, have at it." Well, we also let the local governments tax that property to where they had to sell it. Which is even dumber, right? Well, it's it's inconsistent. Yeah. yeah. S&P futures down sixteen. The S&P futures down sixty-two. We come back. Kevin's going to tell us all about what the Fed's going to do and why. Be right back. Stacks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. 
Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold. The idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Andrew on the board. SP Futures down 16 and a quarter, and ASA Futures down 62. Dow Futures down 109. We don't have uh, too much. We had Caterpillar down another two bucks after a lousy day yesterday on the earnings they didn't like. It. Goldman Sachs down a buck 16. We got United Health down 356. Uh, other than that, uh, I mean, we're mostly red here, but not not horrible, horrible. Uh, that I can see in any any individual stock, at least not yet. Over in Europe. Uh, DAX up three, call that flat. FTSE down eight, call that flat. Uh, CAC around down 93 cents. Let's call that one even flatter. Uh, over in Asia, which has been not only volatile, but going in different directions. Today, the Nikkei's up 742, 2.4%. So that's a lot. 
Hang Seng down 10. Call that one flat, 17,101. Shanghai up 4. That one's flat too, so another strange day over there with the Japanese. How does one of those markets up 2, 4%, and the other guys don't even move? It's crazy. Yesterday, the Dow was up 123, S&P up 26, NASDAQ up 61. So that was two days in a row. We're up pretty much across the board. Bonds up three basis point, 4.91, just before the Fed decision. The Bund up one basis point, 2.82. Uh, Japan up 1.96. That's as high as, as we've seen that in, in like years and years. Uh, and I don't know what that, they're still not close to anybody else, but they're, at least they're moving up in consist. Well, a buck 35, but still 82.37. Brent up buck 38, 86.40. Natural gas down nine cents, 3.48. Our Bob up three cents, 2.24. We've got gold down a buck eighty, nineteen ninety-two. As it's settling into this high nineteen hundreds, but not doing much in there. Silver down seventeen cents, twenty-two seventy-seven. And yet again, silver blasted through twenty-three to maybe twenty through fifty, and just like whack-a-mole, got sold all the way down there. Every time it gets up there, I'm tempted to just sell it, and then I go to the one time it's going to keep going, and, and it never does. It just comes right back down. Never so far. Copper up a penny, three six six. We've got Bitcoin down 80 bucks, but quiet 34,415. And the US dollar, which has been in a range, is up a little bit with the euro at 105.4, which is right where it was yesterday morning. And a British pound up uh, down 21. Uh, so the dollar is up a little bit there as well, 121. But still, right in that 125 plus or minus a point, 121 plus or minus a point. It's been there for a while, real steady. And we have, of course, Travis Weather Sports. Don't go, don't go through every crash, the whole area is crashed. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of how it is. It's uh, Wednesday, November 1st, and it's uh, 6.39 here in Chicago. Uh, starting off with just a little bit of sports, we have some games to look forward to tonight. Uh, for some basketball, the Bulls are going to be playing the Mavericks at 7.30 p.m. And for some hockey, the uh, excuse me, the Coyotes are going to be playing the Ducks at uh, 9 p.m. Let's see here. Now, uh, we have the uh, Chicago weather. It's currently 30 degrees. Uh, hopefully not going to be as bad as yesterday. I think we're not going to have nearly as much uh, the snow coming in. Uh, we have clear skies right now, uh, and we're going to have a high of 43. It's going to hit around 4 p.m. Over in Phoenix, they're currently at 60 degrees. Uh, they're going to have a high of 83. That's going to hit around 5 p.m. And they also have clear skies as well. Probably a little bit less snow out there. Uh, but finally, for Chicago traffic, uh, yeah, it's, uh, we got slippery roads and some accidents nearly all around the board today. Um, looks like traffic itself may not be running too slow, but uh, don't exactly quote me on that one. Uh, for specific accidents, we do have a, one on the outbound Kennedy that's uh, right before uh, west, excuse me, that's uh, going west right before Addison Street. Uh, but right after that, things clear up pretty quickly. But we do have a pretty major accident uh, around uh, the inbound Bishop Ford uh, that's between Stony Island and St Stony Island Exit and Stony Island Avenue. Uh, it was involving a semi-truck, so looks like that area might be just closed off there for a little while, uh, if I'm reading that correctly. Yeah, there's, there's a bunch of them that are closed down, totally. But, yeah, it looks like... The one with the five or six semis cracking into each other, is that on the uh, 394 with, with it somewhere? Um, it might be that one, I'm not yeah. sure. But, uh, yeah, that is all I got for you for now, Chief, so the uh, back to you. So, Kevin, did you see... Uh, uh, Bud Light is, is trying to make their way back by uh, uh, becoming the, the manly man's drink again. Uh, NFL, college football, country music, festival stage colds, and folds of what's folds of honor. Uh, and then they're going to they're sponsor the ultimate fighting championship. So they're 
They're going back after the manly men. What do you think? Um, probably not going to work. Their better, their better strategy would be to lay low for a while. Uh, they're coming out swinging, going after the manly men. How, if they're sponsoring the Ultimate Fighting Championships, how can you not drink it? If you're a manly man. I didn't drink it in the first place. I don't know I why I drink it now. Well, I'm just saying. If you, just saying. But, uh, hey, uh, we have uh, a very interesting interview yesterday. I don't know if you, if you caught part of uh, CNBC, but a contributor there forever is this guy, uh, Jared Bernstein. He now has the... <laughs> how, do you, how do you get this job? He's the economic policy advisor to the vice president of the United States. Um... I'm not even sure where I want to go with that one, but well, obviously is uh, is making um, uh, Kamala Harris sound brilliant, isn't he? Uh, something like that. So they interview him yesterday, and I I cannot believe. I mean i I don't I don't like when I interview somebody to ever make somebody sorry they to be on the interview. But you, but you also have to ask some questions, and when somebody tells you something that's totally off off base, you you got to say hey. Hey, you want you want to try that one again or something? They were they asked him some stuff about these interest rates going up. What about the budget deficit and blah blah blah? And he went off to some, on some stump speech about how they're going to cut prices on everything and how they're going to they've got and, and they went on with this part about um, how the, they've cut so much out of the budget deficit. Where, where are they getting that, Kevin? I I don't I don't see that at all. Budget deficit is worse than it was last year. What, are they talking about what were maybe in their mind it could have been or should have been, and now it's lower? The, the numbers don't even come close to matching up. What well, are they talking they're just about? Lying and they, they're lying, and they know that that will work because they have so, enough dutiful media that is uh, totally willing to report it as they say it, um, it whether it's because they, um, they, they don't have the subject matter expertise to understand how to ask a follow-up, or they know that if they don't, if they ask pointed follow-ups, that they're going to lose their access. I think it's it's a. I think it's that. I think it's that. I, I think it's 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 both. Yeah. Um. And but uh, and, and and there's a, a lack of integrity that goes with that. So I, I think you have all those things to deal with. But the um, the other part of it is um, that you know you you have enough listeners then. It, you know, because really, they're they're just speaking to their media. They're not speaking. Kevin, to he was he was so he was so bad. He wasn't speaking even to his people. He it was it was he didn't answer the questions of some. Uh, I guess I'm a little more educated than that, but he didn't answer the questions to such an egregious degree. When he when he when he wandered off onto uh, prescription drugs for Medicare and how that was going to save everything, in response to a question about the deficit. I, I don't think any. I think he 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 had he had lost the biggest dummy in the world when he started doing that. He wasn't even close. Well, and, and the the other part of it, and this is where I was going to go next, is that you you also are defending the undefensible. And because because it's not only that the policies are bad, but they're the policies are not the same ones that they promised. So. Uh, you know, so you, you, now how are you going to, you know, you have to do this weird tap dance because that's your job. Yeah. Um, you know, for my part, I'd really rather not have that job. <laughs> well, I know. it's. Uh... I'll go find something else where I can have credibility. But, I, you know, I, I think that's, you know, that that's where, where you wind up. Um, it, it's, you know, there's, there's not much you can do about it. If that's your job, you're just, you're, you know, you're, 
you're like um, uh, what was Dan Aykroyd's character, um, Ir- Irwin Mainway, the the guy that sold dangerous toys. Oh yeah, yeah, God. <laughs> yeah, just look at the camera and lie. It, it's it is really. Uh, I asked Hal. I think Hal was teaching class last night, so he never got back to me. But I asked Hal to send me that. Uh, I must have heard fifteen people on CNBC yesterday, except for drunken guy. He, he's he's all over the place with this. Uh, Talking about how the deficit is so j- ridiculous that they got to start doing something, uh, but he's been around a while and he's an older dude and he's you know he's got some some chops. Some who knows, but doesn't mean anybody's going to listen to him. But uh, he, what did what did Hal say yesterday that that the four point nine percent GDP growth? Because if you look at every single sector, that one sector is over three percent. So how does the total get to four point nine? I mean, are, are we are we reaching a point here where we're not even? I just don't understand the math, Tom. I, but I, you know, I, the uh, same thing with these, uh, um, the auto automakers thing. I hope when they say they're going to uh, get cost of living adjustments, they're not going to use the CPI. Good lord! I mean, really? And why why would you ever use that? What, what, oh, because it's it's the it's the totally accurate measure. What what if? Uh, Kevin Chief Andrew uh, and, and listeners just you know kind of pay attention to this because this what if we would have done a contract with somebody ten years ago to build houses and the then price would be quarter million bucks you know we're building a house for two twenty five and we're making twenty five okay that's that's fine and we were contracted ten of those a year and we're gonna we're gonna have a cost of living adjustments. I, I got to believe we were out of business in four years, Kevin. If we use the CPI, we wouldn't be close to what it would cost us to build that place now. Not to mention how much the guy the guy selling us be making on it. Or, right. You know, yeah. I I don't even. I mean, this is supposed to be, you know, something that everybody uses on both sides. It's, it's the same. It's the same argument really as we started the show. We're, we're worried about the government not taking advantage of. The low interest rates that they put out there for some reason. When you say taking advantage of, taking advantage of the person on the other side of the of the transaction, which happens to be a citizen that, that's paying the guy's salary. It's this is almost like bizarre world, as Bob would say. Yeah, it it, it really is. And you know, I'm sorry, I don't know what you know what, what you know what are you going to do about it. it uh, you, you, we have to. Uh, we have to do a better job of educating as um, as citizens. Uh, you know, it, it's it, when you talk about what are the duties of a citizen. The duties of a citizen are to really understand what's going on as much as it is. You know, we talk about voting and we talk about you know, uh, you know how you fit into the community and all. It, it, you know, there's also a duty to be educated. May, and, are and, we? And just, is, that's the duty that is ignored. Are we? Uh, here, here's the, the zillion dollar question because you talk. You know, a lot more young people in class and stuff than I do. Um, is the government just a reflection of us? And I'm not talking about you and me. Is the government just a reflection of us? Oh yeah. If you look at the amount that they have in debt, it almost exactly reflects how much the citizenry as a whole has in debt. And they don't. That always that don't seem to care if they're ever able to pay it back. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you on that, Tom. We we are, 
not only do we get the government we deserve, we're getting a government that is a reflection of what we know, what we don't know, what we what we don't want to know. I have a uh, piece yeah, of paper here buried. Of course, now that I'm cleaning up, I can't find it. But it had to do. It was is one of the most incredible articles I ever read. And, uh, you know, we read how many zillion of them. Somebody went out for a survey. Now, when you start doing that, what kind of survey was any good? Blah 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 blah. But virtually, hundred percent of the people surveyed want the government to balance the budget. You know, like a household has to do, which is all BS on top of things. Uh, like a household has to do. And uh, when I say it's BS, household doesn't have to balance the budget year by year. You save for kids to go to school, then you ever run a, you run a deficit while they're in school, then you make up afterward. But, it, but at least it's planned out properly, I think, in most households. Um, so anyway, the survey said they want the government to have a balanced budget, but they want no cuts to entitlements, something, 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 something. Like, like every, they want no cuts to like 85% of what's in there, yet they want it balanced. Is that people smoking the crinkly cigarettes? Is it people not wanting to add up the numbers? Is it people just not understanding? Are we all dummies? I I'm nowhere in that pantheon of explanations how people could actually be surveyed and come up with those conclusions, Kevin. It's like uh, you know, let's we we want to learn how to swim, but we don't want to get wet. Okay, yeah, then. that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Uh, by the way, are those two old fossil face dudes still alive? Uh, they came out with this. <laughs> well, that's a broad-based question. Who are the two old guys that retired from the Senate and Obama gave them the job of of, uh, of cutting the budget deficit down to size? And was it oh, yeah, Sim- Simpson Bowles, wasn't it? Simpson Bowles, yeah. <laughs> the greatest line. And one guy said, if, if, if you're not offended by this, we either forgot about you or you didn't read it carefully enough. <laughs> what, what a great line. Well, and they, they have to uh, feel real good about the work that they did, you know. Uh, thanks, guys. Not going to do any of it. Oh, yeah, boy, this is this is exactly what we didn't want to see. The uh, I had sort of a similar occurrence, Kevin. I probably told you this before. When I was at when I was at Pullman, we had all kinds of problems with the Amtrak cars, the ones you see, the double-deckers. Mostly, uh, and, boy, you, you, we could have used you. Because uh, Pullman was was a, was a car maker, They're all these old car knackers, they put the cars together. People design them. The other guys would like them, and blah blah blah. And you build a damn car. And Pullman made a spectacular railroad car. Well, then all of a sudden you start getting, uh, you know, municipalities and so forth involved. And Amtrak was a governmental authority. Well, they kept making changes in the car all the time. And Pullman was not sophisticated enough in a contract that size to realize what that change was going to do to them on a, on a holistic basis. They would say, okay, the old seats are, uh, you know, $500 a piece, the new seats are 600 that's $100 a seat, plus, you know, uh, 10% overhead or 50% overhead or what it was, and maybe two days delay. And they had no idea that it was actually probably, you know, two months delay or something like that, and how much that would actually cost you type of thing. So they ended up getting buried on this thing. And uh, they they had the auditors came out there, and the auditors would be all over the place. Back when you had uh, all the fourteen column paper, Kevin, and they would actually leave with trunks full of stuff of, of, of audits, and it was unbelievable, unbelievable. And they would try and figure out if the if the contract was still at break even or not. 
and they'd have these big powwows, and they'd say, yep, we're still break-even. We're not going to make any money on it, but we're not going to declare a loss yet. This is in the newspapers. It's a big deal in Chicago. And uh, my boss says to me, hey, <laughs> you know about all these different areas. Why don't you go out, and on the QT, I want you to give me an estimate of where we're going to land on the Boston car and, and the Amtrak car. So I spent about two weeks, there was wondering what I was doing, in my old calculator, putting this stuff together, and I just looked at it from about three or four different, I went to different guys who did programs around the world, bridges and roads and everything, and just got a bunch of different ways of valuing contracts. One was uh, per pound, one was uh, looking at labor hours, that where you are in your fifth car, if you use an 85% declining balance curve for labor, I don't know if anybody knows what that means, uh, that's going to be your average, and we were so far over at that. So I did it three different ways, Kevin. I came out with the same number every time. I, I couldn't believe it. There were three different methods. So I walk in, and he goes, close the door, close the door. So I close the door, and I give him the report. He says, do you have any other copies? I go, no, and he dropped it in his bottom drawer, and he locked it. I said we were going to lose a million dollars a car. And uh, he goes, you, you, can't, you can't even tell anybody about this. Well, it turns out they got a $40 million increase in price because the government was so dumb. The lounge cafe cars you see, the ones with the, the, the top where you can see out of? Yeah. Uh, they had not signed the change order for that car. So we were able to sign a contract where they gave us like another $60 million bucks. So instead of losing 280 they lost 220 I was, I was within 1%. And so it's not like these people don't know where this stuff is going. I think they do, because there's a lot of guys that are a lot smarter than me. And it, but it was it was right there. It was just right there. If you looked at money spent per day, and just looked at when they told you the thing was going to be done, and just did the addition, that was an easy one. I did it by by labor hours. That was an easy one. They all came out to the exact same number, which I guess they should, right? You would think so, but um, it, it's pretty hard to do. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it is. I mean, I, I was I was good at that stuff at the time. I mean, that's what I was trained as as an analyst. Uh, boy, I, if I didn't do it today, I think I'd be a little. little but I'm saying the stuff you're talking about, the, the, the things with the, the budgets and the stuff, this thing that Carl's always talking about. These guys, somebody there has to know, and they're just ignoring it, or they're they're kicking it to the next person like a like a CEO would if he's on a you know bonus every quarter. Some, something's wrong someplace. And I, and I don't know if it's in the Constitution, whether somehow we could rearrange the, the, the dates of maybe, you know, the representative should be three years. I mean, I, I don't know what the solution is, but somehow this is not working, either from the citizenry or the people running the place. Uh, and I, you know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I have no idea where to start. I know you on the, on the low, when I say the lower end, on the smaller, the smaller municipalities and those kinds of places, they seem to be workable. Yet, is it because they can't print their own money? There's a difference there someplace, and I just can't get my hands around it. Well, and just consider it like this. Can just consider the uh, um, the Israel uh, support bill that's in, in the works. Which nobody can read, of course. Which, which nobody can read, but... Uh, but you know what? What are the Republicans asking for? Well, they they want they want some kind of offset to the budget. Okay, that you know I, I think most people would consider that reasonable, um, and and probably wise because we can't afford anything new. Okay, let's 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 call that good. Now, uh, it, it, it's uh, it's going after a sacred cow though. That all of the money, uh, all of the extra money that was 
supposedly dedicated to IRS agents. So president's going to veto that, and he's going to uh, he's going to uh, you know if if it's not going to make it through the Senate, frankly. But um, it's uh, I, I guess what I'm saying is all that's going to be reported on some stations is that um, uh, that the uh, um, the Republicans um, you know didn't uh, didn't support Israel, and there's going to be reports on other stations oh, yeah. saying they yeah. did oh, yeah. <laughs> How, you know, wh- which which one you're going to believe and so it's all going to depend on you know who uh, you're going to choose your team's um, you're going to choose your team's uh, media and that's what we're going to uh, you know understand the situation to be and it's just, and, and so that's going to lead to all kinds of really stupid arguments is any of it going to solve? I don't care where they get the money, but they re- we really can't afford to spend anything extra. So, we you know we really sh- we should be looking for ways to offset this. Well, there's one place that the this is not you know just being argumentative where people are accusing me of being this liberal. Uh, the one place we absolutely need to go, Kevin, and I know it's not going to solve the the uh, the, the uh, budget deficit problem, and I know it's you know it's it's more than than peeing in Lake Michigan, but it's we need to somehow address the massive companies that first brought stuff overseas, didn't pay anything for a while, and like the $29 billion they're telling Microsoft they owe. If these people actually owe this, get it out of their hide. Why should, why should they pay nothing when you and I are paying? I mean, I'm not talking about raise the rate, any other kind of stuff. I'm saying if there's legitimate cheating going on where these guys never pay and it's all transfer pricing, you know, yeah, our money, all my money was paid in Bubzwabwe and not here... Kevin, bull, bull bleep to that. I, w- I want that stopped. And, and, you know, everybody, I'll tell you what I'd like to do, and I would solve a lot of this, bring the corporate tax rate up to the same as individuals and make dividends deductible. Get rid of the double taxation, but make sure everybody pays. Why, why can't we go anywhere? Why is it so sacred to the Republicans that corporations pay 21% when people pay 39 or 35 Really? I, mean, I don't get that. I mean, that's their sacred cow, which is just as idiotic. Oh, everybody, no, I'm, yeah, I, I, I'm not. I'm not arguing with you that uh, that they we aren't. You know, everybody's got their sacred cows. That you know what what I'm telling you is that that's a political choice to choose a sacred cow, pretty much based on the fact that it's the other side's sacred cow. Well, I, I bet. I mean, so you know what you're what you're trying to do is put that poison pill. Go ahead. We're either gonna we're either you're either gonna gore that ox or we're going to uh, uh, or, or, or we're gonna be able to say, hey, we gave you a bill, you didn't sign it. You know, this is this yeah. is the way that we do this now, and it's just you know it's kind of a dysfunctional way to run a government. Well, it, oh, you could make the case. No, I'm not gonna blame him for everything, but you could easily make the case, and uh, Russell could comment on this when he comes in, that a lot of the inflation, a lot of the deficits, a lot of that stuff started now he didn't keep it going but started when bush decided to invade iraq he had two two things that his neocons wanted him to do they wanted him to invade for why when it was for oil whatever it was and they also wanted taxes lower or didn't want taxes going up so he essentially put a war on a credit card and that that's what started this whole ball rolling where he 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 upped the deficit doubled it in his term, then Obama doubled it in his term, 
Trump was on his way to doubling it. Now this guy's going to double it. It all started there because you, he, couldn't, he had two masters in that party. One says you got to go knock these people off. The other says don't ever raise my taxes. If he would have said, if he would have stood up and said, okay, guys, we'll go into Iraq like somebody seems to want to, but we're going to put a 20% tax uh, surcharge for the next three years while we're going over there, Maybe that decision wouldn't even have been made, Kevin. Maybe one. Well, and and I, I think that's, you know, that's actually the way we should do it, and that's what we should be doing with Ukraine, and that's what we should be doing with, um, with Israel. Uh, you know, we, we have a situation where most people support doing it, so let's say, folks, if you support it, let's, you know, let's all kick in for it. Um, but otherwise, no. Uh, you know, we we have our. We were talking earlier about you know the stupidity of uh, uh, of uh, too many people in the public uh, arena. Yeah, we're uh, we think it's free. It's not costing me anything. Yeah, yeah, go get them. Oh, and then you have people. And before we have our, our economist come on, before then you have people that say, as long as you can imagine growth greater than the growth in the in the. Uh, in uh, a deficit in a certain year, if you can imagine that five years from now, you're okay. Because if your deficit's grown 4% and, you, and you're going to grow 4.1%, everything's fine. That's such a crack of crap because you never estimate your, your expenses properly and you're ne- you never catch it, even though you tell everybody you're always there, right? Either side. It's all they tell everybody they're always there. And it's, it's, but how do, you, how do you change it without... The next president, whoever he is, all he's got to do is, is murk his way through four years by, by BS, and by the time his, the fruits of his labor come home to roost, it'll be halfway through the next guy's term. It's just like a CEO that you, that you give bonuses to every quarter and fire him every year, right, Kevin? It's, it's exactly how these guys operate, in my opinion, which is exactly what you teach against. Which is exactly what I teach against. Yeah, isn't it? Where you talk uh, about management and stuff? Yeah. Anyway, SP Futures down 16. Hey, on Friday, uh, assuming the world doesn't fall apart, can we take apart this uh, Michigan situation? This thing's getting bizarre, isn't it? Well, it, it is. Um, you know, some of the stuff I sent you, I'm not entirely, you know, I, I, I haven't uh, extra sourced it, so there there is definitely a little bit of... Um, uh, you know, uh, caution that I want to maintain as far as what we. Oh yeah, me too. Here. But uh, but yeah, it it is getting bizarre. So let's yeah let's see what the state of the news is because uh, you know f- part of the the federal probe allegedly is um, you know it is into uh, non football rate related behavior for yeah. the uh, the guy that's it's, involved. It's a nice way of saying, but let's just say it's going way beyond somebody holding up his cell phone at a football game. Yeah. SP, so, uh, yeah, so let's see where it goes. SP Futures down 15, NASDAQ Futures down 62. Go for a really quick break in and we'll bring back Russell. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. (laughs) Yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for 
stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. There's something happening here. Well, right back, Stacks and Jocks. I'm Tom, Tom Howie, and we're on the board. SP Features down 16, Nazi was down 64. This is before. For the Fed announcement this afternoon, this is their t- again two-day meeting. They started yesterday, so they've already they're already down one tuna fish sandwich and uh, going for a second one today. Uh, Russell, how are you? I'm doing okay. How's how are things over there? We're doing we're doing fine. We're trying to figure out what's what's going on in the world. We're trying to go through economic numbers that uh, seemingly I, they don't want I, people I, going I, through. I do have one thought on the Michigan thing. Usually, you know, it, it's like everybody's always stealing science and everything. Uh, aren't you kind of amazed another school hasn't been accused? Um, Don't you think everybody and their mother is looking around for a second, you know, just to see if this is unique or if it's, uh, you know, just because Harbaugh is such a, a – I'm, I'm just going to stop there. Yeah. Um, you know, so. I, uh, you know, I, don't, I don't know. I, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, it, you, you just you think they couldn't have been the only school doing it, but, but there's something something something's, something, something's happening here because one of yeah. my friends and uh, does some stuff with this uh, real nice guy Edgar Martinez Hall of Famer Seattle. Uh-huh. I've asked him a couple times. I said, hey, if you ever going to a road game, if it's a school that, or a place that I haven't uh, gone to, I'll I'll, I'll take it shot down there and sit there and watch a game with him. That'd be pretty damn cool. <laughs> watch mm-hmm. a game with Edgar Martinez, wouldn't it? Uh, he goes, no, I, I can't I can't sit in the stands in a road game. Hey, what do you mean? He goes, no, I'm, I'm considered a coach. Can't, yeah. Can't, yeah. You, you can't. Uh, but I I think, you know, I ran into well, one of my best friends last night. I know this is the way. This is the thing you wanted to talk about. No, no, but I, I just, what I'm saying is it's how things sort of grow. And at what level, I talked to one of my attorney buddies last night. I said, you know, this Michigan thing is kind of getting out of hand. He goes, I have no idea what they're even talking about. He goes, somebody holds up his cell phone and takes the pictures at a, at a football game. Who gives a crap? He was talking about, you know, dropping the bucket. And I said, no, it's somehow it's gone way beyond that. Yeah, but, and the, the yeah the thing is just one of the few rules that apparently the uh, the rich team that, that that tries to keep the playing field even is that you're not allowed to go scout other teams in person. If you're and if, well, the but, idea behind it is Michigan, which apparently they can can afford to you know send people all over the country to to scout in person while you know my my undergraduate school in memphis sure can't well but it's also i you think know, that so t- I, understand, I understand the rule i didn't know it was a rule but i understand the rule i think it's a good rule actually but they they exchange game films yeah yeah so you you get to see every play that the other guys are running you get to see every formation so they they, they feel that that's enough of a a competitive deal, like you're saying, that you can you can study yeah, the no, film. Yeah, I think I and I think that's very fair. But then, but here's what's happened to this. I, I, you know, I 
I'm not Mr. Everybody knows. <laughs> if I could, I'd still use a flip phone. But the idea of me taking my cell phone and holding my hand up for a three and a half hour game, I wouldn't. I, I'd be useless to anybody. How, how how much can that thing focus in? How much can you actually steal a sign from the sidelines while and match it up to the same play? I, you have, you have to be pretty good at it. But, here, but here's where I think it's gone. Mm-hmm. The, the person that they in, started to investigate, and we'll leave this for Friday, but evidently uh, now there's some underage pictures involved. There's Oh, goodness gracious. And, okay. And, uh, and, and now it's gone to, uh, well, this is why Kevin doesn't want to lead. I'm gonna, if it bleeds, it leads. I don't want to do that, but I guess I'm going to anyway. It turns out now that there's all kinds of videos of Ohio State practices and stuff, too. Oh, good, good lord. Yeah, but the thing, it's going one day. Now, whether this is true or not, but anyway, Kevin will research it, and he'll do the, the good job on Friday instead of me lobbing it out there. But this is the, the everybody sent him in these articles. Now, it, it turns out it, it's, 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 it's growing like an amoeba. And now, mm-hmm. now there's a, there's somewhat of a a criminal investigation, and things that have nothing to do with football. That if you if you try and truncate the football piece, you're essentially stopping the criminal. That's that's where Harbaugh is. That's that's where he's finding himself in this pickle. Yeah. If he doesn't cooperate, well, he's not only not cooperating with the sign thing; it's all the other stuff. Yeah, no, he hasn't been cooperating. Every time they, but that's that's one of the things he's gotten in trouble for is uh, being difficult. And he just and he just comes across as such a teddy bear of a human being. Well, he his brother's now involved because the the two well the two guys that are accused of doing all this were on the staff of the brother. And when Michigan had the crummy year, evidently the brother sent these two guys to help the little brother get his program back together. Oh, okay. So, like I said, Kevin, I was, I was at a hotel bar yesterday or last night eating and. Uh, they had a, they had stuff on about this, uh, but they didn't have the sound up. And I, I saw them showing, you know, this guy in different, you know, they were highlighting. It. So that, that I understand what they were. I, I got what they were talking about on ESPN now about how he was. Uh, so, oh well. Now, do you know That's that during the uh, during mm-hmm. the war, as an economist or an entertainer, you could have worked for what was the uh, predecessor to CIA? Uh, uh, and, and the OSS. OSS, you could have been. Yeah. You know who a lot of the uh, agents were? Were like the, the lady singers and, and those people because the, the biggest place to grab information was in a hotel bar. And if they heard just something there, hang out. just hang yeah. out down there, have a couple of drinks, talk well, to whoever you want to. If you hear anything interesting, you report it to the USO. That could have been you. Well, I, I can tell you in... in Decades, uh, probably like two decades of traveling all over the place and and visiting more hotel bars than I probably should. Um, nobody has ever been trying to get information from me. No, you're supposed to be getting it from them. They just give a big mouth when uh, they're drinking. No, nobody's coming. No, I don't look. I don't look important enough, or, or whatever it is. But so, well, and, I, and I don't think, and I don't think I got the mojo to be the other side of that one. Well, you know, I, I, I always found myself in those kinds of places where guys tell me some of the most bizarre stuff they should never say. <laughs> I don't know. Must be my must be my Irish face or something. But everybody's always dying to tell me something. It's it's weird. Anyway, but I don't know if I'd want that. You imagine hanging around those bars in wartime, though. Wow! Imagine the stuff you'd hear. Good lord! Oh my goodness! Yeah. All right. So what? Um, yes. Kevin was just alluding to it, and I tried to get. Um, Hal to send us the stuff last night that he was talking about yesterday on the show, and I should have asked asked him sooner. Um, these, 
you know, and I, as you know, I've been I've been ragging about these numbers for as long as you've been on the show, and maybe for years before that. Am I starting to actually be right? Hal was talking about, and he's you know he's a pretty legit dude. Uh, not saying I'm not. Uh, he says this the GDP number, the spike GDP number. He goes mm-hmm. ev- he goes every single segment. The three percent's the highest one, and yet the total's four point nine. He goes, well, how do they get that? Was could he? What is going on here with these numbers? Are they are they totally just off somebody's top I, of somebody's head or what? I I haven't dug into them. I just saw that there was a really good number last week. I've been I've had my head buried in some other project. Um, there's a there there's an inflation component that doesn't necessarily show up until you get to the final number. Okay. So that's how it happened. Now now. Beyond, uh, you know, at 8 o'clock in the morning after too long at the hotel bar, kidding about that part, um, you know, digging out the full explanation in, in the gray area of my brain is not happening. But there, there is an – and the inflation component is something we haven't paid attention to in a long time. But, you know, now it's part of what is bumping that number up. Uh, I also think that's why everybody didn't – isn't – overly concerned about you know a four plus percent number when we've been concerned about inflation because it's like that number is the function of inflation already okay well that makes sense i uh yeah i I mean that and and again it it has to do with um some of the adjustments which i know every time i say the word adjustment you get all excited um because that that means manipulation as well who are these adjusters who are these alligators is yeah yeah that's that. That should that should be the superhero that we are. We're the adjusters. We're the adjusters. Yeah. Mayor Daly said it better though. Who are you these? Don't, you don't like who's really going to get elected president? Yeah. We're the adjusters. Yes. <laughs> Who are these alligators? I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's even better. Or, or I mean, when they talk about yesterday, they were they were talking about all the the uh, earnings that have come out. You mm-hmm. know, some of them are worse than last year, and blah blah blah. But the fact is, they're beating expectations. And my. I don't know when I was when I was a Ute and you were a Ute. Mm-hmm. Every, every firm used to have people. That's all they did was was try and figure out what these firms were going to do, and it was a it was a whole career for people. I don't. It was um, the, the the laws changed. Okay. The the, the laws changed after uh, the internet bubble, and it used to be. And, and I've actually I've done work on this as far as the volatility around earnings. Um, used to be. Uh, Brokerage firms would, you know, they, you'd, you'd have well, they still do have analysts that cover different industries, and like the software analyst at Smith Barney had a really good relationship with Bill Gates, and you you would actually, you know, that's the analyst you would listen to, and if they were bullish or they were bearish going into earnings, you had a pretty good idea as whether the number was going to be good or bad. Um, that selective disclosure of information is now illegal. I'm sure some of it still happens. Oh, uh, you think? But, you think? Yeah. Well, but but not to the extent that it used to. It used to just be very. It used to just be blatant. You knew, you knew which analysts had the best relationships at the different firms, and that was the analyst that, that the sell side analyst that kind of had an axe in different companies. Okay, so we've gone from somebody who maybe got a little more private information than he should. To somebody who's totally undefined and he's just this vague expectator that we're all supposed to trade on, we don't even know who the other guy is. Well, that's the thing is that, that you don't know who to follow now, and that's why the, the 
that's why we get more volatility around earnings. But I guess because my question is, who, when they say expectations, hand tip, tipped. Well, you know? But if they say Microsoft three bucks versus expectation of two ninety five, who's who, I guess who's the expectator is my question. Well, it's the uh, you know it's the average number from the sell side analyst, but that that I I, I don't I, you know you can I I'll I'll, t- I'll take a random number against that as being you know as being the expectation. The the way I measure this, and this is some of the academic work I'm doing, I look at, I I look at uh, what you know what the average move has been historically up and down. Uh, I take the average of that, and let's say that the average move has been up or down five percent over the last uh, three years off of earnings. Uh, if if a company reports and the stock goes up two or three percent. I don't consider that a surprise. I don't consider that a, an upside or a downside. Right. You got to you got to be outside of that average range, and typically about ten or twenty percent of companies um, are outside in one direction or the other around earnings season. Do you have I the? Think that's a better, and that's a better one because that that's the actual market expectations and the market adjusting for the number and all the new information, not just you know we beat earnings. Uh, but we fired half our staff, and that's how we beat earnings. And uh, you know, things are going to be terrible going forward. But we beat earnings, and the stock's down twenty percent. Is that a good report or a bad report? The way you said it, that's a good report. Uh, yeah. But in reality, you know, you can't just use that single number. Plus, it's so easy to manipulate earning your earnings result number relative to some of the other factors or some of the other numbers that people should be paying more attention to. Um, well, you yeah, that, that's the reason I, I don't. You know, I, I I've worked at public companies where you know they're they're very aware of what the quarterly estimate is and where they are relative to it, and how they're going to frame things when they report if the numbers you know if it's in line, you know that 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 actually is considered not a positive. You know what we used to do with Pullman. You know, expected to be. You know what we used to do with Pullman. What you do at every, every I, I was, you know, we sent our stuff from the passenger unit, but up the chain, we'd have a, every quarter, we'd have a first month estimate, a second month estimate, and the third and final estimate, and then two days later, we'd get the actual, and if the actual didn't match the estimate, we'd, we'd fudge the, the actual into the estimate, which is usually like, <laughs> which is usually like really close, so it wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. But, but I, I guess my uh, question is to, uh, um, to you regarding, I just I had, a, I had a very cogent question because uh, I've always got spot six lined up for you. So if I forget the first one, it's no big deal. I always got another one behind it. What um, it, it, do you have the means or the capability? You know who does? As you know, I like to do a lot of earnings plays and options. I'm not going to go into mm-hmm. you know which ones I do, but uh, basically, I think there's somewhat of a correlation, or ought to be a correlation between. The strat, the uh, the straddle, uh, which the call and the put, which is the market's yeah. expectation of you know how big the move is likely to be, and the week to week calendar spread, which is essentially is the same sort of spread. You're, you're, if you buy it, you're looking for the thing not to move. If you're selling it, you're looking for the thing to move. Uh, there should be some correlation there, and and there really sort of isn't a lot of times, uh, Russell, but. Uh, so in other words, if, if the what I try and do is if the straddle is say ten bucks, 
if I can get the calendar spread for under a buck, I think that there's a discrepancy there. Now, whether there is or whether there isn't. Because sometimes that that calendar spread will be $2, and sometimes it's 40 cents. And I'm sitting there going, gee, mm-hmm. 40 cents looks like a pretty good buy. You know? But I'm going to say that for all my years of being around, which are a lot, the market is pretty damn good on the straddle and, how, and the movement after the earnings and after the phone calls. Not just the earnings, you're right, it's the phone call too. Uh, it's pretty darn good at, at picking the mm-hmm. number. It, but if I would had to say over a long period of time, and please don't take this as maybe you'd have come slightly ahead by being a seller if you could do a lot of them, uh, only because a lot of people can't be sellers. Most retail people can't be. So yeah. there might be there might be a slight edge to the sell side, and I mean very slight. But now the last there really there, the, there really isn't, and and I've tested it. Okay, but I'm saying the last year or two. Mm-hmm. Especially the last year, I'm going to say the buyers have had a huge edge. They, they're blowing through these straddles like there's like there's no tomorrow. I've seen straddles that are eight hours and the thing's moving forty in some of these stacks. No, you're absolutely correct. Um, I mean, over a long period of time, they average out, and and I I I've priced them out where I say you're selling on the bid and you're buying on the ask on the close for the straddles. Yeah, and and basically your losses are equal to or very close to the bid ask spread. Over a long period yeah. of time, if you do it with a lot of stocks, I I monitor the and I, I write up and I monitor the fifty stocks that are have the most active option markets from the previous years. And last quarter, um, out of those fifty, I want to say twenty seven or twenty eight had outlier moves. Yeah, yeah. And, and I probably had positions in half of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I and a lot of them were a couple of them were pretty pretty substantial. I've had a couple uh, where, thank God, Russell, I didn't pay much for them. I'd be doing like the 180 strike and paying like a quarter for it. And two days later, it's like 140. <laughs> I go, if, I, if I looked at this, I'd say to myself, how could that dummy possibly have picked something $40 away two days ago? I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing how much some of these things have moved. And this rattle might have been $10, and it's 40 movement. Yeah. I mean, I, is that just... This, is that, this year, yeah, this year we have had a... And it's not... And it hasn't just been outlier moves to the downside. It's been in both directions. Oh yeah. Well, what was it? Yeah. Uh, Nvidia was up what sixty bucks in one of the, one month. Yeah, that that was um, that was one of the one of the really big ones. I can't remember. I think Netflix actually moved up outside of uh, expectations this year once. There was one. Was it? Was it telephone Netflix. of a? It was some some stack that never moves. The straddle is like a dollar and it moved four dollars or something. It was one of those, you know, cheaper dividend type of stacks. <laughs> yeah, that's that. That I only I, I discipline wise, I only look at those fifty stocks because I'm one person. If I start, if I start looking at if I if I try to monitor too much stuff, I I, I start to drop the ball on things. Well, so. the thing of it is, they're not all on the same day, so I go through yeah. them, I go through them every day. You know, so it, it, you know, I don't I don't. I'm not going to say, gee, Russell's looking at 50 and I'm looking at 200. What I'm doing is looking at 10 a day for 20 days. Mm-hmm. You know, and plus I don't, I don't, if I don't do it, I don't, I don't even look at it the next day. So I'm not really watching it like you are. You're looking at the actual, in other words, if I don't do this spread, I don't care what happens to it, basically. Which is, you're, you're actually looking for the economic number and want to know what's happening. It's a, yeah, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get a feel for, for all of them. I'm de- and, uh, and I'm, uh, what I'm doing is I'm looking at, at, when we had a big outlier move the previous quarter, I'm 
you've got a better than average shot that the options are going to overprice the next move. Yeah, well, I, I, no, sort hey, of... that, that, that there's that's that's what I've found from doing all that work for years, and and that's how I go about trading. Is there any correlation between the ones that trade a real lot and the ones that trade not very much in terms of how accurate the straddles are? Uh, no, there's no difference. I would, yeah, I would, I would have guessed that. Even though it, and, it and, sort of makes you would think is... that there would be there would be, but I, I, I think you're. I, I would agree with you. There isn't. Yeah, I, I, the thing is, the ones that don't do a whole ton of volume, uh, there's still you know a handful of people that have a, a really good feel for them, and um, the the market makers tend to have a bit more time to pay attention to uh, the price action around those than you know the really active ones where you're just using the model to update over and over and over again. Um, but no, there's not that, and I did I segmented things out when I've done some of those. Uh, Studies uh, against you know the most liquid and the least liquid, and there's not a huge difference, which well, is surprising. You'd think that you think you'd have an easier time finding some sort of edge in you know an option market that doesn't trade too much, but uh, the the liquidity providers are probably more cautious than average, uh, so they don't get run over by some sort of surprise uh, because they don't have a whole lot of volume. They don't have a whole lot of volume coming in to you know to to manage their risk. We did one in. Uh... In metal last week, right? Which is usually, you know, I look for the ones that are, you know, twenty cents, thirty cents, and this thing's like a buck fifty, and I'm going. It's kind of above our pay grade, but by my little mental formula, it was it was kind of right there. So, you know, instead of doing it a hundred times for people, I did it seven times for people, right? Because you know, it gets you to the same place, and if the thing opens up right on the number. I <laughs> whatever strike I had done, I think I did the. Uh, the 305s, right? The thing opens up right at 305. And it's hacking around after the close, 304.5, 305.5. And I'm thinking, this, this little puppy's going to open up like five hours. <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm going to have my home run this week, right? And all of a sudden, you know, you know this is small. It's a little stuff I do for some people that like to be in the game. Uh, so all of a sudden, the guy talks. I come in the next morning, he's down like $15. I go, what do the idiots say? <laughs> <laughs> but it actually crept back during the day, and and uh, my brother says I'll put the order in at like double what we paid for it. Like I said, we only did it five or seven times, and and uh, and sure enough, we get filled. Then it went right back down again. I don't know how the hell we got filled, but it ended up being a an okay winner out of the blue. But I'm thinking, what did this guy say all night? <laughs> I just buried my stock here. <laughs> you know, because a lot of you're you're right. It, it's it's moving more on the call than it is on the earnings. It is, and yeah, and that's just, and and that's where all the really good information is coming from, and yeah, wait, I know what I'm getting ready to say is overly, overly basic, but um, when I explain this to undergrads, I say you buy a stock because of what it's going to do, not what it's done, which is not 100% accurate, and I know that, but... <laughs> You know, there, you got to. You, you, history is is one of the things that you use for your judgment there. But when they're giving you a whole bunch of new information, uh, or you know, you know, or changing outlooks, et cetera, during a call, that's the really important information. Well, yeah, and, and we've had uh, kind of to tie. We're going to break here in a minute, but kind of tie together the two things we've sort of been saying. There, there has been a somewhat of a disconnect between somebody's incredible numbers coming out of Washington and retail sales and all this stuff and and what a lot of these people have been saying, you know, in terms of the, the Walmart guy saying it looks to me in the last three weeks like the consumers hit a wall and blah 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 yeah. blah. 
And you, and you look at some of these. You're hearing the consumer strong out of the federal. I'm I'm writing a 2024 preview right now, and I'm I'm really trying to resolve the consumer because of what you're talking about right now. Are you guys going to have the? Uh, I don't know if you recall, but uh, I don't know when they stopped doing it. With the uh, University of Chicago had that the big huge economic forecast luncheon every year. Remember that? Yeah. There was. Uh, we do we do that. Are you one of the three dudes up on the stage? No, because it's right now, and I'm on with you. But well, why? Why don't you want to be on the stage and have cranes and all the other I, people? I would be, but I'm on with you. Oh. <laughs> don't take that as a complaint. No, we we do. Uh, there's about a dozen of pre- dozen presentations that are done around the state. Uh, I'm doing one tomorrow in um, Richmond, Indiana, and then I'm doing one of them in South Bend uh, on the 30th. So there are a whole bunch of us that take turns doing them, but uh, we do we do four uh, previews: uh, global economy, uh, U- U.S. economy, Indiana economy, and a financial market outlook. And I'm writing the uh, the school's financial market outlook right now. You know what the uh, history of Richmond, Indiana is, don't you? Uh, I do not. It was a big rail intersecting point, big rail junction. Oh, was it? If you went, to, if you took the train to Columbus, you took the train south to Richmond, and then you you transferred there. There was a there was a, a route from Columbus to St. Louis, and you got on, maybe went through Indianapolis, and uh, but it, Richmond was a big transfer point for railroads. Okay. Several lines went through Richmond for some reason. It does seem to just kind of be in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, but I've been there a couple, and I've been there a couple. Actually, this will be the second or third time I've spoken there. Um, and you know they, IU has a satellite campus there, and a lot of great people show up for it. So I'm not, not bad mouthing the time of rich town of Richmond at all. But um, you know, other than being kind of close to the Ohio border, I, I you know, it's just kind of there. But there are lots of towns that are just kind of there. In the well, Midwest. a lot, a lot of them are there because of the rail. Yep. Well, my my grandmother, her oldest brother died. This is in the, I was young, and. Uh, she wanted to go down to the funeral and nobody could get away or was working so I was only like 12 and it was my job to get, get grandma to Columbus and uh, right. on the train and I remember us had an hour wait over in Richmond, Indiana so when, I, so when I got my book on railroads the first thing I looked up was why the hell were we in Richmond, Indiana and that's why why are we there? yeah, yeah. why were we there and uh, yeah a lot of this stuff is, uh, is, is rail uh, the I mean the, the numbers we're going to go to break here but I don't know how you I'm not sure anybody really, Russell, if you pump... It's unfair to say they pump 40%. Well, think about this during break. They pump 40% of the money supply into the market over a short period of time. But I think, looking at it now, as you wonder why the inflation is kind of uh, uh, sticky, it's it's keeping going, is I don't think... I think they pump so much in that the system couldn't even absorb it. And it... And a lot of it just got kicked back to the Fed overnight. And it took a long period of time for that to enter the market. So actually, the lag, normally if you pump money in the market, what would you say the lag is? Six to eight months before it starts to cause trouble or cause whatever it's supposed to cause? I think the lag actually got longer because they poured so much in there. And I, I really wish I had the ability to, to do the math on that and had maybe somebody help me out that knows better than me. It seems like... It took a real long time to get going when you and I would have said, look what these guys just did. We're going to have inflation right away. I think the Fed, in addition to not wanting to see the numbers, 
might have actually been fooled a little bit by how long it took to get started and they're being fooled a little bit by how long it's taken to come down because it's not really I, I think a lot of it was because I don't think they, the, the system could even absorb how much they were pouring in it was kicking back to the it was basically kicking back to them every night well and it, it, plus they were kicking all that money in when people couldn't have spent the money even if they wanted to that's what I'm saying that's exactly my point I, I mean, mean uh, I, you know, it, it, it was just a, a you know, just a very unusual uh, circumstance where you know you're getting checks but you're stuck at home yeah so that so that pent-up demand is probably taking longer to work its way through i yeah i i think every person i know took some sort of extravagant vacation this last summer except for the Rhodes family um what do you mean when you went chase tornadoes no that was two years ago all oh, right yeah so well, uh, but, that's because you we had... didn't because we we didn't because we had family stuff going on. It what you know, and because I don't know, we just we had family stuff going on. So there. Well, there you go. SP futures down only one seventy five now, and as if futures down five, we come right back. Usually we do this before a Fed meeting. We're down. We're up. We're down. We're done. Up and then afterward, we see what happens when he starts talking. But we'll be right back. Stacks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks and, jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Andrew on the board. SP Futures now up 50 cents. NASDAQ Futures up 10. It's just sort of uh, coinciding here, and we'll give Russell, I'm um, doing all the rest of this stuff, a minute to take a look at this. The Treasury Department refunding announcement, which has now become one of the bigger pieces of news nobody used to care, but now it is because now we're trying to figure out what the Treasury is exactly doing uh, with this huge deficit, and I also want to get Russell's comments on what, uh, uh, what's his name, Drunkenmuller, uh, Druckenmuller, not Drunkenmuller, Druckenmuller uh, talked about in terms of what the Fed should or shouldn't have done, but 
So he's got a chance to gather his thoughts. But no, this is a big run-up right, right this second. And we'll go through that in a second. So we'll blow through these other numbers pretty quick. Uh, Europe, up, uh, DAX up 13.9%, 0.9%. FTSE up 3, call that flat. CAC up, CAC round up 3, call that flat. Well, that was easy. Nikkei up 742, that's 2.4%. However, Hang Seng's down 10, call that flat. Shanghai up 4, that's flat. So kind of odd deal here. Yesterday, we're second day in a row to the upside, Dow up 123, S&P up 26, NASDAQ up 61. So up a Monday and a Tuesday, even though we finished the month down and finished the quarter down, which has been pretty rare. Ten-year down two basis points. It was up a little bit earlier, 4.85. So whatever reason, people like this uh, announcement here on this uh, fund man. I don't know what it was supposed to be. It looks pretty bad to me. Uh, Bund unchanged 2.80. Japan unchanged 0.95. Oil was a little bit down. Now it's up, 184. 82.86, actually it's up more. So it's over 2%, but still mired in the low 80s. Uh, Brent up buck 79 at uh, 86.81. Natural gas down 10 cents, 3.47. Arbob up 4 cents, 2.26. Gold uh, up 40 cents, 19.94. It's all of a sudden now really range bound in this middle 1900s. Silver down 19 cents, 22.76. Went up over 23 on Monday. I said, I wonder if they're going to sell it again this time. Uh, they did. Uh, copper up a penny, 3.65. We got crypto, which is almost unchanged earlier, same as now. Down 29 bucks, 34,467. That's Bitcoin. And we have the US dollar up a little bit with the euro down 20 basis points to 105.5. And the British pound down 10 basis points to 1.21. Andrew, what do you got for us, real quick? Traffic, weather, sports, World Series. 10, 10 runs and two innings. Ouch. It is uh, Wednesday, November 1st here in Chicago. It is 7. 39 a.m. Starting off with just a little bit of sports. We have one game to look forward to tonight, and that is the Bulls playing against the, let's see, there we go. The Bulls playing against the Mavericks at 7.30 p.m. Chicago time. For Chicago weather, it is currently 29 degrees. We have clear skies. We're going to have a high of 43, and that's going to hit around 5 p.m. And over in Phoenix, it's currently at 61 degrees. they got clear skies. They're going to have a high of 82, and that's going to hit around 3 p.m. Now, finally, for Chicago traffic, uh, we have a lot, a lot in the red uh, from yesterday's very slippery roads. Uh, it looks like if you're on the inbound or outbound Kennedy, expect extreme delays from all the way to downtown to about, uh, let's see, Nagel Avenue. Um, and if you're coming in, looks like major accidents from earlier have cleared on the um, on the Bishop Ford and such. But uh, every way, if you're coming on the inbound, you know, accidents to report, but definitely going to be in the red. That's oh, all yeah. I got for you. I'd turn back if I were you. That's one of those days. That's right. Russell, what do you uh, make of all this? I mean, I'll, I'll lead in a little bit. If you, didn't, if you didn't hear the first couple minutes of the show, I was talking about Stanley Druckenmuller, and he's been on, and he's, I think he's he's pretty good. Uh, matter of fact, he might be real good. And he, But it was it's funny. I, I was talking about this with Kevin. Is He talked about the one, one of the dumbest things he's ever seen the Treasury not do was when the interest rates on the 10 and 30 year were down to one point something percent that the Fed didn't essentially only go out that far and lock themselves in for however long they could have. Yeah. Instead of <laughs> instead of, you know, now basically they're they're doing a lot of stuff at six month and nine month and three month or not nine month uh, a year. I think I don't think they do nine month. It's what's three six ten uh, three six twelve is the auctions. Um but I'm sitting there <laughs> Russell, this is this is not this is this is like uh, if you tell somebody that you, uh, you you put one over on somebody because you sold them a car and you knew the transmission was going to blow the next day, 
Well, that's fine, except if you sold it to your son it's, or your daughter, it's probably, it's probably not the best thing, right? I mean, we're talking about a guy essentially saying that the people we hire screwed up by not stiffing the population with bad bonds. <laughs> Isn't that essentially what he's talking about? Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, there's all kinds of different ways to look at it. From that narrow little world, yeah, you should have sold 90 billion bonds at 1.2%. But if you did, the 90 billion bonds are now sitting on, on your and my balance sheet at 60 cents on the buck. So since when is, is it government's job to screw the population? I mean, I, where am well, I wrong it, here? Well, and, and beyond that, um, if they really if they really loaded up and they just issued a whole ton of bonds without having a purpose for them at the time, and I understand, I totally get locking in the low interest rate if you're a business, but if the federal government were to do something like that, I, I think it would really disrupt what is the biggest financial market in the world, which is the U.S. bond market. You know, you can't, they, they, I, I, I think much like, I know this is kind of a weird analogy, but it's one that popped in my mind, much like if we did away with income taxes and we went to like a, a national sales tax or something like that, you ruin a whole gigantic industry if you do that. that that's one of the reasons that I think if we do, yeah, if, if we ever do rewrite or redo the way we pay taxes here, they're going to have to grandfather it in over a long period of time because it would be too too disruptive to too many people's livelihoods. And I, I think, I, I don't know if they take it into consideration. I'm sure they probably do because people prod them in the right direction. But the, you know, the consistent issuance of government debt is I, I, it's something the big banks rely on um, with respect to a lot of the structured products they come up with. Well, you'd have, you'd have every insurance... You'd have every insurance company probably technically insolvent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, really, there, there, there's the, the reason that you can't, from a business standpoint, hell yeah. If, you know, if, if, there are a lot of companies that are either wishing they had locked in a really low, low coupon payment, you know, five years ago or so, or are kicking the crap out of themselves for not locking it in over a longer period of time right now, you know? Well, yeah, but uh, the federal go- the federal government just can't behave like a private company, unfortunately. No, because every time they, yeah. I mean, it, it's funny because uh, depending on your your view of the world, I mean, a lot of the uh-huh. stuff. I mean, everybody knows that one of my I love to quote him. One of my the nicest thing that's ever happened to me in life was to be able to take classes from essentially two Nobel Prize winners, Milton Friedman and, and George Stigler. I like Stigler mm-hmm. a lot more actually because I'm more of a political economist. I had two classes from him. But Milton Friedman made some statements that, if you fast forward, make no make no sense today, um, because of the, the difference in time. Somebody asked him mm-hmm. one day, "What do you think of the federal uh, budget deficit or uh, the debt?" And he said, "It doesn't make any difference because essentially the government is the debtor and the and the, uh, and, and, the and the population who runs the government, you know." Has has the other side of the loan, but because it's like if because it's very much as if the husband owes the wife fifty bucks, the, the house is flat. But but the uh, but now if you fast forward to you know forty years later, when half the debt is 
from outside the government. I don't think he ever anticipated that. So I would say his, his answer would be a lot different today, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. It's structurally very different than it, than, than it was back in the... Uh, I, I can remember in the 80s that, uh, you know, the, the local government debt really wasn't that big. It was a drop in the bucket compared yeah. to the federal government debt. And now they're, you know, now they're kind of equivalent if, if the local locals not even more. And the local governments were actually net creditors up until maybe 10 or 15 years ago. They, you know, they, they, they were being run more efficiently. Well, I also think that he, one of the comments he made was that it's absolutely useless and it's a zero-sum game to try and uh, deal with insider trading. Mm-hmm. Now, he also talked about a world where everything was open outcry and you, and you saw whoever you traded with. Yeah. And he said, just let let people police it themselves. If somebody runs in to the IBM crowd, you know, five minutes before earnings, because we didn't we actually, used to actually do earnings during the day, didn't we? We'd stop trading for a half hour or something when I first started. Uh, there was there were some companies that would report in the middle, like in the middle of the afternoon, and you'd have a halt. We'd digest yeah. it. But I, I, my career started at, toward the very end of that, where there were only a few companies. That I thought that made a lot more. Yeah, that did happen. I thought that made a lot more sense. Anyway, but that's, let's not talk about that. But his point was. If the same person came in three times in a row, a you wouldn't trade with him, or maybe somebody died his eye. I mean, it, but now, you know, I mean, if you were to say, uh, oh, by the way, Uncle Milty, everything's electronic; you never get to see anybody. My guess is, is the answer would be different. I don't know. Yeah. But, but here, but here's the numbers: the treasury, the treasury is going to offer a, auction 112 billion in debt next week. There's a number. The sale will come in three parts: Tuesday with 48 billion in three-year notes. Uh, Forty billion in ten-year notes, uh, then twenty-four billion in thirty-year bonds. So it must that must be Wednesday and Thursday, I would guess. Total ma- sale matched some estimates around Wall Street in recent days, so that's why we popped here. People were thinking the number would be bigger, or I guess the term would be worse. So mm-hmm. that's why we just we ran up fifteen spoo points when this thing, this number came out. I don't know. Do you know anybody who can tell you I- that? 112 is a good number. If it had been 114, we should have sold. I, I, I have no idea about that. Do you? I, my my impression is that that would be kind of a kind of a, a, a disappointment because you got to figure when the Fed the, the Fed just doesn't do these things in a vacuum that they try to get an idea. Yeah, they they you've got to assume. And I'm just making an assumption here um, that you know much like when a company's going public and they do the road show. And then the brokerage firm that's taken the company public uh, will call around to the institutional investors and say, you know, what, what do you think the valuation should be? How many shares do you think you guys are going to put in? And, and that's how they go about pricing the deal. Uh, you can't tell me that because the Treasury, you know, they, they don't want an auction that, that fails. So you've got to assume they, they put some feelers out and have an idea as to uh, what, you know, what's going to work. And if they're putting feelers out and they don't think they're going to be able to get enough demand for a certain size of offering and they have to reduce it, I don't see how that's a positive. Can the, can the uh, I'm going to ask you a question you may not know the answer to, but I, a technical question. Can the, can the Fed be a participant in the auction itself? I think they can't. Don't they have to buy it afterward? I think they, they can buy it. I think they can buy it back, but I don't think they can be on both sides of it. Well, they wouldn't be. One's the Fed, but I mean, yeah. well, that's, oh, that's, oh, yeah. I think well, that's the two-step transaction. And so, 
Yeah. It's so bizarre that these guys, they go out and they and they pay commissions, I think, for the people to put it out there to primary dealers, right? That's why everyone wants mm-hmm. to be a primary dealer. They pay commissions, and if the Fed comes in the next day to buy some of it back, they go pay commissions too. It's the world's greatest deal if you're if you're Goldman or most people. It is, but they and you know and they they, they want to keep the banking system going. I understand that. Uh, why don't Why don't you come over to PTI? It might, not, it might be completely unfair, but they they do want to do that. Why don't you come over to PTI and make us a primary dealer? Uh, oh, you think that that my presence would get you awarded that? You and you and your billions of dollars, your scratch. Yeah, you 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 go run a background check on Russell and, and see if you really want to employ him. Isn't that what the guy tried to do? Uh, <laughs> who, who's the guy that was the governor of uh, New Jersey, Corzine? And he became head of uh, what was the outfit here? That's the first thing he did was make him a primary doer, right? What's the name of that outfit that went under uh, with all the? European swaps and stuff. They, they, they were right here in the Board of Trade. Uh, God, what's name in a couple? Do me a favor, Andrew. Uh, uh, Google uh, Andrew Corzine and find out what the name of the company was. It was uh, a lot of people lost a lot of money there, didn't they? With the because the the company had their name on the European the European uh, subs sub, but but they didn't guarantee the sub or something. Remember that story? And Corzine ended up. Uh, how much money did he borrow? He, he he escaped jail, didn't he? You know what I'm talking about. I, uh, I'm springing this on you. You always stay on the good Man, side. I was, elo- I was being eloquent, and I, the college dropped. Oh. <laughs> well, say something. Of course, even what was the name of that firm? Uh, I thought he was. I thought he took Refco down. It was Refco? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he took Refco down. I've, I've still got my old Refco jacket. I was a Refco runner back in the day. I have I have a um, uh, I have my Bear Stearns I, umbrella. I, I thought, oh, do you? You can probably get a pretty penny for that. I tell one. you what, I want you I want you to will that to me. So I, you know what though? It's it's starting to for, for years of being on the radio. I want you to will your Bear Stearns um, umbrella. Well, back in those days, the sh- the sh- what do they call them? Shatskis that people gave out. Yeah, were were serious things. That this umbrella is the best umbrella I've ever seen. Much plus less owned. It's been what twenty years. The thing's just starting to wear out. <laughs> the, yeah, the, some some firms every once in a while would give out some really good swag at yeah at the events yeah yeah. Well, what do you, so um, how do you? What I, I'll t- I, I will tell you the RMC that I just went to, they didn't do they didn't have sponsors do booths, so they, there wasn't a bunch of tchotchke stuff. But I kind of liked that. Oh so, yeah, where you know where you you weren't having you know having people looking awkward standing behind the table because nobody was talking to them. Um, I think I I, I actually prefer that. And we did get a couple of tchotchkes in the mail before we went, but um, no, I, I, I like most of the stuff's crap. But yeah, I've got a Hong Kong Exchange umbrella that's been all over the world. <laughs> Last no, forever. There's always good you pens. Know? You can get every kind of a uh, mouse pad. You get everything, oh. all that stuff. And but, and the best. I'm sorry. I know this is just. And and you and I might be the only people that care on this one. But the Australia Exchange used to give out a glove that you that 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 kept your beer cold you're kidding oh no it was the, it was the best of all the things that was probably the one that everybody uh, at fia they would you know they would roll out the, the bar carts and everything uh the first night like five or six o'clock on the display floor and asx would bring out all of these uh they look like you know they look like whole cans but you put a can in there god uh, the aussies are interesting uh they're they're the best. Real, they're my favorite client. Real uh, <laughs> real quick story. Pullman had a 
contract with, uh, you ever heard of the group, was it A.G. A. Goninen? Is that the name of the place? Mm. They make a big construction company in uh, Australia, and they, they bought some Pullman uh, licenses for some of the railroad cars. So uh-huh. the, the early on period, they sent a, a guy over there who was a, a designer, and then they bought a, sent a manufacturing engineer, and then they sent a, you know, somebody else. And the guys would go over there for six months, and they'd be consultants. And one of the guys, Bob Johnny, rents a house, and he goes, they got this really nice house, and all of a sudden these guys come by to, do, to pick up the garbage. And they're all running down the street behind the thing, and then they throw the garbage in, and no, no, you know, no lifter on the truck. They'd throw it in there, and they'd run to the next place. And uh, uh-huh. he says to him, finally one day, he goes, what are you guys running for? He goes, well, we're all rugby players, and if we run, we can get done by 2 o'clock instead of, Four o'clock, so we uh-huh. can we can get the rugby practice. He goes, so you run all day, and then you go to rugby practice. Got to keep in shape, man. <laughs> off and off they run. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> Those guys are into that for sure. Hey, uh, so how do how do this is a, a new thing, a new thing for us as investors? How exactly are you and I, both for me and you and me personally, and for our clients? How the hell are you and I going to somehow gauge whether or not we're doing Horribly, really horribly, or what we're doing on this federal financing. I mean, uh, we have uh, our, our buddy Greg Pappas. The one day that he was he was doing the show, he had us going down up a million dollars in debt every forty three seconds. He timed it. Now, how the hell are, are we going to figure out whether what everybody thinks the game is? How we you know if we're doing a little better or a little worse? Is it tradable now? How, how the hell are you and I going to ever know whether this is tradable? Of all the things. I mean, if this so, in other words, if this number would have been 120, we should have been a seller. If it was 108, we should have been a huge buyer. I mean, I, I don't even know how to start I, I on mean, this I one. I don't know. I, I mean, maybe. See, this is this this loops back to what we were talking about with earnings, where you get one number, which is great, but you don't know what and and you have a published number that everybody's expecting a company to match or beat. But in reality, there, there's all these other discussions going on in the background. There's all these different expectations. And, you know, barring a big survey that told us what people were really expecting for that number, uh, we don't, you know, maybe, maybe that the, you said that, that 114 was the number people were looking for. I mean, I'm saying, he goes, obviously, one, one, my point is 112. By the way, MF Global was the, was the place, right? John Corzine. Oh, was it? Okay, yeah. Refco, Refco was a different thing. Thank, thank yeah. you to John Manikas for that. Um, hey, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm saying if, if, you, if we look at the number, I'm, it, it comes out, and, and we, rally yeah. 50, we rally 15 points. So my assumption is the $112 billion is a good number to somebody. Now, uh, People were betting against that number. And the question is, who are the people, what do they think the number was going to be? Is it better than 114? Is it better than 150? I have no idea, do you? My, well, my assumption would be that there was concern that they wouldn't find enough demand for the debt. Okay. And they they put feelers out, and they've got enough demand for the debt that they want to issue. So you're saying the, re- the relief the, is in that it's actually going to sell at a decent price, probably. That's the relief, exactly. not the number itself. That, that, that maybe there were concerns. There's a big auction coming up next week. Uh, we might want to be a bit short here because I'm hearing that they're having trouble finding demand for what they want to do. And then all of a sudden you get an announcement that um, they're going to be able to sell what they want to sell. Well, then you got to cover your short. So that that that's my you know very very high level guess guess as to what happened. 
but I don't, you know, but I don't know what the the actual expected number was on all of that. Well, we see uh, um, you're our, our China maven. Yes, uh, that's that that's where our trouble's going to come from. Well, I'm going to say what we we've seen China drop from they were they were a little they they got to the point where they were slightly over fifty percent of our of our uh, overseas okay. stuff, and now they've they've ducked under that sum. Well, I think they have to sell it off because they have such financial problems at home. Right. What I'm saying is I'm trying to get to the – I'm never going to get here, but uh, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm trying to get to the – so far it's been, quote, covered, whatever we've gone out for, either domestically Uh or I don't know if it's the Saudis, whether it's the Japanese. Somehow other people have picked up on the percentage – percentages. I think think China's down to – 42, 44. I should, I'll, I'll check that by by Friday. Uh-huh. Uh, they're 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 below what they were. Okay, so yeah, and, and other people have have quote taken up the slack for lack of a better term. What has to happen, either them or some other place? By the way, uh, Irish Irish are big buyers. I think the Israelis are big buyers. What has to happen someplace somewhere where dumb, some somebody doesn't show to the extent we think they will? And the slack is not taken up. Is it? Are we getting to the point where it's not taken up at all, or whether the rate comes out to be 5.5 instead of the 5.4 people expected, where at some level people took it? What? I guess what has to happen? How do you know you're in trouble here? I guess is my point. I think. I think the way that we know we're in trouble is if the long end of the curve keeps working its way up, um, without any true econo- without any true economic justification. Which would start to, which would basically show that there's not any demand out there for longer date, you know, for 10 to 30 year uh, treasury securities. And so what you're saying, I mean, they they may be able to issue everything at an okay rate, but then once everything starts trading into the marketplace, um, you know, are rates holding or are rates starting to work their way up? You've got to assume that the reason that longer term rates have been coming up and getting very close to where the short term rates is uh, people selling that that long dated paper and I I would look straight at China on that one well Um, if if you were so so I think I think an unexplainable like you know we we hit 5% on the 10 year rate uh, and the expectation is we're not going to go too much higher than that but if that number keeps creeping its way up that's an indication that that somebody somebody that is large a large holder is out there selling long dated uh, bonds. So you'll get you'll you'll kind of get a nod and a wink from the rate uh, as it goes up as the price of the bonds goes down due to la- again due to a lack of demand. And that might you know the the fact that we've had the longer term rate go up over the past few weeks might be why there was concern as to whether or not the Fed would be able to or the they would be able to do a decent bond offering next week. Well, if you, if you cut away, I won't say all the BS because it's not BS. Wars and stuff are clearly not BS. But if you if yeah. you if you cut away all that, I mean, you and I talked about you know since we first came on, you first came on. Um, mm-hmm. There's no way on earth me, the money manager, would put your dad's dough in a 30 year or 10 year deal at one and a half percent. That no. wasn't going to happen. So because both of us realized that the formula that nobody even knows anymore or cares about on debt is whatever the real rate of interest is plus the expected inflation rate 
is what you would want to invest at because you want to get some interest, real interest, and plus you want to get your money back in the same at the same rate, the same amount that it's worth when you give it to somebody. So yeah. So going forward, if if for instance you and I were going to pick a number. That uh, if your dad was a client, or was I don't know if he's still around, but if he if he was a client, what number would I would you and I pick? Let's let's say the a real rate of interest is two and a half. Now the Fed is hair trigger ready to put more money into the system, I believe. What do you think a real inflation number is per year for the next ten years? I'm going to say it's got to be four. Yeah, it's yeah, not four. it's not going to be two. <laughs> yeah. Great minds, huh? Well, I mean it's I don't think I don't think they're going to they're not going to blow it up more than that unless they unless something really bad happens. But I don't think that we're ever going back to the two number. We're, so I'm going to say that you you're going to want a six and a half, ten or thirty year rate before you're comfortable with it. Yeah. Yeah. And we're no, not there I, yet. I would want to, I, in order to, yeah, I'm, I'm 56. So I'm looking at retirement, uh, you know, maybe 10, 15 years down the road. Um, I would want like six, six and a half to yeah. lock in somebody for, through my retirement. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm saying it's, right. Okay, buddy, take care of yourself. That's oh, no, I was going to say, Frenchie's doing well because we don't want to get hate mail. Oh, I know. See it, you next week. When are you, when are you getting the, <laughs> uh, you're getting the, uh, the other guy for the whole Thanksgiving weekend, right? Yep. Yep, the blind one. I will. Uh, I, I I will share blind Frenchie pictures. I love no the problem. part where they uh, they love the part where they sit in the, the other two sit in the corner looking at you seething, knowing that he's yeah. She's oh, gonna, oh, they're so mad. It's unreal. They're so freaking mad. So. Uh, I tell you, Audrey's poodle, in terms of en- energy, overwhelmed the big Irish wolfhound that came by to visit. Of course, absolutely, of course. He's like, I don't know. I don't know. She's she's too wound up yeah. for me. Why don't I just sit right here? All 170 pounds of him. <laughs> That's a unit. It's a 170 pound dog. All right, all right. Now I got somebody looking at me on a on a conference call. So I got. All right, go. all right. Take care, bud. SP futures down 250. SP futures down 10. Back tomorrow. Stocks and jacks. Stocks and jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.